I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. Lord, uh, we present ourselves to you today as a living sacrifice. We're giving ourselves to you. We set this time apart for you. We set ourselves apart for, for you. We ask that you speak to us. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us through the, the preaching of the word. Father, I ask that you anoint me today, Lord, to bring forth your word uh, in a way that we can understand it, that we can apply it to our lives. Father, that we can uh, let it go into effect right now in the circumstance of our life. And Lord, we give you praise now for, uh, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul has come through this chapter, and he's told us several things. He tells us who the enemy is. He tells us what equipment that we need through the, the armor of God. And he comes down and he begins to express the energy that we need to be effective. We've talked about that this year, uh, 2017, that the number 17 speaks of complete victory, complete overcoming of our enemy, of the enemy. And so we're talking about that. If that's what God's doing, we need to be aware of how we can play our part what we need to do to experience full victory in our lives and that's what we've been talking about the last several weeks as paul mentions here in verse 18 we're going to find a very very important thing that we need to be doing uh, I, one sermon i think it was january the first as we talked about complete victory and i i told you that there were four essentials to victory it was prayer hope uh, faith and praise how many of you remember that the first thing that, that we need to do is prayer. Well, it's interesting as Paul comes down in this verse 18, and I'm reading from the New International Version, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Hallelujah. So he's encouraging us. After he comes through and tells us who the enemy is, and he tells us that we need to put on the armor of God and we need to be clothed and ready for battle, and he really kept, uh, sets it off by saying, and pray, pray, the importance of prayer. In 1 John, John writes in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, he says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. What a promise. What a promise. But you know, the question comes back is, why do we have to pray? Why do we have to pray? We're told to pray here. The Apostle Paul encourages us to pray. But you know, a lot of times, I don't know if we understand why we really need to pray or how important it is. I think prayer is the greatest unused resource that Christians have. It's available to us. We uh, talk about it. But rarely do we really engage in prayer in the capacity that we ought to engage in it. Why do we need to pray? You know, if God is God and he's in control of everything, well, why do we need to pray? If God's going to do what he's going to do and things are going to happen the way they're going to happen, why do I need to pray? It's going to happen anyway. Does it do any good to pray? Isn't that how, how many of you ever heard that? People say that. You know, why are we even in the picture? You know, why are the events on earth uh, so related to, to our prayers? Aren't they just going to happen? You know, uh, what really is the purpose of prayer? And I think until we understand the purpose of prayer, we'll really never pray effectively. 
James says that our uh, says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Or the the righteous person is effective and powerful in their prayers. Righteous. Are you righteous today? How many righteous people do we have today? Amen. You know why? Because you've been declared righteous. Whether or not you really feel like you're living righteous or, or you look at yourselves and you don't feel righteous, but here's the thing, the way God sees you is you are righteous. And he declares you to be righteous or in right standing with him. So if we are in right standing with God, we have a relationship with him, we are a child of God, then it says that our prayers can be powerful and effective. But I think that we don't really understand the importance of prayer, the purpose of prayer, and maybe the elements of prayer, how do we go about praying? For the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at this because this is so important and so vital to our lives individually, collectively, and to what God is doing in the, uh, around the, the world today. So to understand really the purpose of prayer, we've really got to understand the purpose of man. You know, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Why are we here? Why are we here? Now to understand that, and to look at this thing of prayer, it's such a broad topic that we need to go back to Genesis chapter 1. Are you ready for this? We're going to go to Genesis and we're going to go all the way through Revelation. So we can be, did y'all bring your lunch today? <laughs> we'll stop when we need to stop and we'll pick it up when we need to pick it up. But turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. When you get there, say, praise the Lord. Man, we got some quick people. It must have been one of them electronic Bibles or something like that. I hear some old, the old school things, I hear paper, pages rattling. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the, the ground. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply or increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I think the King James says that creeps. He even gave us authority over creeps. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. God had dominion. He's God is God. He had all power, all dominion, and he created this earth. And when he did, he created man, and mankind, humankind, and male and female. And then he made this decision. He said, let us, uh, you know, rule over everything. And he says, let him or, or let them have dominion. He didn't say let him, let Adam have dominion, but he said let them have dominion. Did you notice that? Look back. He says, let us make man in our own image and our likeness and let them Verse 26, let them rule over, and he goes on to say what? Let them. When he's speaking there, he wasn't just speaking to Adam and Eve, but he was talking about all their offspring down through the ages. He's talking about us today, all mankind. Let them have dominion. So you and I today, we've been delegated from God the authority, the dominion of God Almighty. He said, let them have dominion. I want to just do a little teaching this morning so we can have a foundation uh, to, to build upon so that we can have some great victory and revival in the next few weeks and months ahead. Amen? So God said, let them, every, you know, all the descendants have dominion. The whole earth was given over to man's rule 
to man's dominion, and God made him the head of it all, the chief authority over all the earth. He was over it all. In Psalm 115, the psalmist says in verse 16 of the 115th Psalm, he says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to humankind, to mankind. He's given to us. So uh, the, the highest heaven belongs to the Lord, but the earth, it says, he's given to us. Are you starting to get the picture here today? Verse 28, it says uh, of that, um, so he says, God blessed them there in Genesis chapter 1. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and what? Subdue it. What does it mean to subdue something? If you subdue something, what is that? It means to overcome, to bring under control, bring under control by force. It gives that point. It means to conquer, to subdue, to subjugate, subdue it. You know, if, even by force, if necessary, you conquer it and you subdue it, subjugate the earth, subdue the earth. So he talks about with, with a, even with a forceful type thing, conquer the earth. You rule over it all. You conquer everything. Wow. So in a sense, you, know, you overcome it, you conquer it, you rule it, you govern it, you subdue it. Uh, dominion is the right uh, to, it's, it's not so much the, or what, when God gives us dominion, it is the right to rule, is what he's saying here, when he says to subdue it. It's the, the, the right to make decisions and to rule, whatever we need to do to subdue it, to subjugate it. He's given us the right then to, to uh, make decisions and to rule. You know, dominion doesn't necessarily mean ownership, but it does mean rulership. Now, think about that for a second. We're not owners of it, but we are rulers over the earth. Not necessarily owners, but rulership. And it means that what happens on the earth is determined by us, by mankind, and not by God. Hmm. We have to think about that for Wait a minute. What? We don't like to hear that because that brings responsibility. So when he says, I'm giving you dominion to rule over it all, to be a head over it all, to subdue it, to subjugate it, to, to conquer it, it means that what happens on the earth is determined by mankind and not by God. Otherwise, if it was up to God, then God lied when he said that he gave man dominion. Right? Because he delegated to us his authority, and God honors the, the, the choices that we make because he's already delegated that authority to Now, let that sink in just a little bit because it means that we have a responsibility. We're also going to be held responsible. That's why that we have to give an account for every deed done in the flesh and every word spoken. You've heard that, right? Paul talks about that. That we have to give an account one day. Every you know, every person will have to stand before God to give an account for what we have done with this dominion and authority that's been given to us. The choices that we've made. We know that we have a free will and we can make decisions. And, you know, the, the devil who is a liar and, as Jesus said, the thief, he comes to lie to us and, and uh, to do all he can to keep us from exercising dominion and authority. See, God allows us to have this free will and to make these choices, make choices, and we should make responsible choices over the dominion that he's given to us, over what he's given to us, what he's placed in our hand. We're not puppets and we're not robots. 
You know, we don't just go out and then we just... No, no, no. We actually exercise a free will to do it. Are you following me? So each one of us make choices and then we've got to live with the results of our choices. We don't like that because we want to blame somebody else and we want to just especially blame God. You know, why did you do this? Why, God, why did you do this? And why am I having to suffer for this? Well, why did mankind allow it and why did mankind bring it about? It's a broad issue. You know, a lot of times the question that's asked by many people is, why does God allow bad things to happen on the earth? Why does he allow bad things to happen on the earth? And what really they need to realize is that uh, why did mankind allow those things to happen? You know, God gave us dominion, uh, and with that comes the responsibility, as I said. Some teach that God makes uh, all the decisions concerning life and life and death of humans. But, you know, God clearly says that we are the ones who make those choices. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, if you want to turn there, in Deuteronomy 30, Moses says, or he says, I call heaven and earth to witness as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So there's the exhortation, look, choose life that you and your descendants might live. But if you don't, you know, if you make this other choice, then you're going to suffer the consequences of that. So he places before us the choice of life and death, blessing and cursing. It's up to us. Paul writes in Hebrews chapter 2. You need to turn there. Chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 6. And he, he quotes here, but he, he says there in chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 6, he says, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under his feet, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. So he says here, you know, God put everything under our feet. He made everything subject to us. He says, but you know what? Really, at present time, we don't see everything subject to him. That means that, we're, that we must not be exercising the authority that God gave to us. Hmm. Everything under your feet. He was to have authority over all the creation of the earth. Wow. God made man for... Uh, that purpose, for that purpose, I like to say that you were born with seeds of greatness and engineered for success. Think about it. You were born with the seeds of greatness and you were engineered for success. The thing is, is that we need to water those seeds and we need to act upon the design that God, how God has designed us and be who he's designed us to be. Now, Emerson wrote, what lies behind us and what lies in front of us pales in significance when compared to what lies within us. What lies within us? The power of God, the calling of God, the purpose of God with dominion and authority to rise up to be who we are in Christ. We need to understand who we are in Christ because if, until we understand who we are in Christ, we'll never become what we need to be in Christ and we'll never be agents of victory over this earth. Amen. You know, if you don't understand what he did here in the garden, what he exercised when he gave Adam and Eve and all their descendants this power and authority, we'll never be that force, that, that the overcomer. We'll never walk in the complete victory that God has given us to walk in. God gave 
me dominion. Say that with me. God gave me dominion. I'm responsible. Say that. I'm responsible to exercise it on the earth. Do you believe that? God has given to you dominion, and each one of us are responsible to exercise it on the earth. And so what God did cannot be reversed. Now, you need to understand this because, again, the liar, Satan, will come to you and says, yeah, but, you know, that's all over. That's, that's, not anyway, that's not real anymore. Well, Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, he says, for the gifts and his call are irrevocable. Talking about God. His gifts and his call are irrevocable. They can't be reversed. Here's how the Amplified writes that verse in Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. It says, for, the, for God's gifts... And his call are irrevocable. Everybody got that? I'm trying to speak in tongues, I think. Are irrevocable. And then it says, he never withdraws them when once they are given, and he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. Let me read it one more time from the Amplified. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given, and he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. So he doesn't change his mind. He gave to mankind dominion and authority. He hasn't changed his mind. He will not withdraw those things. He gave it to us, and he said to rule over it all, to, to subdue it all, to conquer it all, to oversee it all, to represent him. You know, we still have the dominion that God gave to us, and we need to learn about it, and we need to exercise it. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So is God a liar? Does he change his mind? Like one day he's not feeling, oh, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. No, the Bible says that he doesn't. So what he did is still into effect. He will not, it's not irrevocable. It, won't, it, won't, uh, it doesn't end. It's still delegated. He still delegated that dominion and authority. When God made us, when he made mankind, he gave his authority and dominion over all the earth and is still in effect today. He's not going to change his mind. So we can say this. The, the man or woman in God's image and likeness has a divine and royal destiny. Say royal destiny. Say, I have a royal destiny to exercise dominion and authority in this world. You need to get up every morning and look at yourself in the mirror and say, I have a divine royal destiny to exercise dominion and authority upon this earth today. Everywhere that, that the sole of your foot trods, you are advancing, you are representing the kingdom of God as an overcomer and as a ruler over all things to subdue it, to subjugate it, to bring it into control under your control. Now, the problem is, is that to do that, we really have to have a mindset, a Christian mindset to know the will of God, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13, and there's a lot of scripture here today, but we're teaching today. We want to set a foundation. We have to have a foundation to build upon. Deuteronomy 28, verse 13. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. 
If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God uh, that I gave you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. That's a good scripture, right? We all, if we say we're the head and not the tail. We're going to be at the top and not at the bottom. But there's a big if in there. But did everybody see that? If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God uh, that, that I give you today and carefully follow them. If we pay attention to the principles of God and we follow the principles of God, then we will be at, always be at the top and never at the bottom. We will be the head and not the tail. But it's important that we heed the commandments of the Lord or his principles for us today under the new covenant. Amen? So that's the good news. The good news is that God uh, delegated authority to us and that we're to rule over it all, that we're head of it all. We're chief uh, overseers of the, the, the earth, right? Now I got some bad news. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, and he's describing the enemy, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. We know this, right? So Satan, he was cast out of heaven. He was stripped of his power. He was stripped of his position in heaven. And he was cast down to this earth. And so when he came here, as his nature is, he came to steal. He came to kill. He came to destroy. We know that story as he came then to Adam and Eve to tempt them. Why did he come to tempt them? What did he want them to do? He wanted them to fall from their position that God had set them in, and he wanted to steal from them what? What is the the greatest thing that could be possessed upon the face of this earth? Dominion and authority. If you rule it all, if you oversee it all, if you can subdue it all, that's got to be the highest thing that can be possessed or be in control over the whole earth, right? So what Satan came to do was to steal this dominion and authority that God gave to mankind. He says, I've got to have this. Because if I have this, I'll be over it all. It'll all be mine. He wanted it all in heaven, but he couldn't get it all, so he rebelled, and he was kicked out of heaven with a third of the angels, and he fell. And so he says, well then, if I can't rule there, I'll rule here. And the first thing, the first temptation that God's children that he created in his own likeness and image, the first chance they got, they rebelled. And what did they surrender? Dominion and authority. Wow. Satan came and he took over that place of rulership and dominion. And all things were under his control. And in in Luke chapter 4, verse 6, when Jesus was being tempted and And, uh, you know, in fact, the reason that Jesus came was to restore all things, to set things back in order, right? And he had to come not as God because God delegated this authority. And God can't change his mind about who he delegated it to. He he won't take it back. And then then he began to exercise, oh, well, that didn't work. You stole it, I'm going to take it back. He can do that because he's not a liar. He's not a man that he can change his mind. What he delegated to mankind, he has to... Leave it there. So the only way to get back dominion and authority from the thief that stole it was for a man to go back and regain this, to subdue it, to conquer it, to overcome Satan who stole it and get it back. No man could do that. No man could do that except the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to do that. And in his time of testing, 
the 40 days in the wilderness when Satan was coming and trying to just to destroy him or make him fail, make him give up and testing him. He did it. Satan did all he could to test Jesus and get Jesus to, to give up. And it says there in Luke chapter 4, verse 6, an important verse. Satan knew why Jesus came. He knew that Jesus came to restore all things, to put it back in order, to realign things. In verse 6 of Luke chapter 4, he said to, to him, Satan said to Jesus, I will give you all their, their authority. I will give you all of their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. Hear what Satan's saying? Look, Jesus, I know, what, I know what's up. You came to regain authority. Now, I can give it to you. Because it's, it's been given to me. Well, he stole it. He tricked, he tricked them out of it. But he said, it's been given to me. So I rightly own this. I have dominion, and I can give it to you. I can give it to anyone I want. So I can give it to you, Jesus. All you got to do is worship me. I can give it to you. I don't mind giving it to you because he was still planning on being on the top. Hmm. Well, Jesus didn't fall for it. He didn't take the bait. He resisted the devil, and, it's, and you know it says there, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Jesus came back with the word of God, and he defeated him. You know, man, by his sin, gave up our headship, our dominion and authority. And, you know, the purpose of sin is to make you nonproductive, right? When sin comes in, it makes us nonproductive. And so Satan knew that, and so he did, he did that. He cre- he, he, uh, when we sinned, then mankind became nonproductive, and Satan was over it all. He ruled over it all. The image and likeness of God was ruined, and man's relationship with God was broken when he sinned. Man fell from his calling and was under Satan's authority. When man gave up or submitted himself to Satan's lie, then blindness came upon mankind, and, and uh, mankind became a part of the kingdom of darkness and under the power and dominion of Satan. You can read in Colossians where it says that we've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son and whom he loves. So mankind was under the kingdom of darkness and blinded. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 3, we kind of see this. It says, and even if our gospel, Paul's saying, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So see, Paul's right. He's saying, look, Everybody, all mankind is blinded now because of sin that came into the world and separated man from God. And so all mankind is, is blinded unless you become a child of God and then you're, you can see again, you're restored once again. Paul's commission in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, it, it says that he was, God sent him, it says, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. So all mankind was under this darkness, under the kingdom of darkness. And so when Paul's commission as an apostle, he says, God says, I'm sending you to them to turn them, to open their eyes because they've been blinded, and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may take, receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So you see the need 
Mankind still is, un, is uh, their eyes are blinded and they're under the, the power of dark, the kingdom of darkness and need to be released. So the commission still is to go to them. The commission of Light Christian Center is to go and to help open their eyes that they might see and turn them from darkness to light, that they might receive forgiveness for sins and take their place among those who are sanctified, who are set apart for the, the, the glory of God, for to have faith in him. That's our commission as well. Paul also reveals that it's still a struggle. We still fight. Satan doesn't want to give it up easily. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark uh, world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He said that's who our struggle is against, these principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, and of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But Jesus came to regain this dominion and authority. And Satan tried to talk him out of it. But, you know, the scepter of rulership had slipped from mankind's hands to Satan. And Satan took it and held it until Christ came to restore and to redeem the purpose for mankind once again. In John chapter 12, verse 31 Jesus made this statement. He says, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. They didn't understand what he was talking about. But he said, now. He'd already resisted him in the wilderness. And he was saying, now is the time for judgment on this world who Satan had control of. So the judgment was going to be to the leader and to those who were overseeing it all. And he says, now the prince of this world will be driven out. Wow. What a bold statement. I'm sure Satan would say, yeah, I hear you talking, but you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to put some action to, your, to those words. Well, we know the story that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. You see, by, over, by owning, owning it all, having dominion over it all, Satan had dominion over death as well and the holding of, of it. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul writes there in the second chapter of Hebrews, verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, speaking of Jesus, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. So it says that, you know, since children have flesh, it's flesh and blood, since mankind has flesh and blood, Jesus, too, shared in their humanity. He had to share in our humanity to be a man that could regain what man lost. The first man, Adam, sinned and fell short. The second man, Adam, Jesus, he gained it all. He took it back, and he conquered Satan, and, and, and uh, he conquered death, overcame death, overcame hell and the grave that held him there. Jesus came as the Son of Man. Hallelujah. John chapter 5. Verse 26 and 27. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Hallelujah. John chapter 5, verse 26 and 27. Jesus said, For as the Father has Zoe, for as the Father has life, as the Father has this life everlasting, this eternal life, the power of, of life, it says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. 
and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. So that authority, he says, okay, I'm going to give it to the, the, one, the man that regains this will regain that dominion and authority. So Jesus was telling them, he says, you know what? I, there's life, there's a power, there's a life that's beyond just death in this, this life. He says, that life from God is in me. And that life, that eternity, that eternal life is what's going to conquer Satan and all his power and regain that dominion and authority. And that's exactly what happened. Hallelujah. You know, I like there in Ecclesiastes, it says, God has put eternity in the hearts of man. It's there, but without Christ, it's just dormant. It's asleep. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. It must be, you must be repowered, regenerated. What was lost, what was dead, has to be repowered, regenerated. We lost power here. We need to restore the power. We could do it through a generator that would generate enough power to bring about the lights again. See, God said if you taste of this fruit, if you sin, you'll surely die. And that's what happened. They didn't die necessarily physically, but they died spiritually, which is far more important. And so mankind died at that. Death came to rule over our spirit. But Jesus came and he says, oh, wait a minute. But God has life, eternal life, that rules over death. Death has no power over it. And he has given it to me. And as I go forth, not in sin, but as I go forth in that life, I'll conquer death, hell, and the grave, put the devil to uh, defeat the devil and regain authority. And he said, all authority, all power has been given to me. And I give it to you. Now, wait a minute. Wow. God's divine son became the son of man. And by being born in the human form, he could accomplish legally what we lost. God didn't have to just take it back and become a liar or a traitor. You know, God was bound by his word. And so the only way to get it back was for a man to regain it. And Jesus became that man, and he took upon himself humanity is what it says, because only as the Son of Man could he carry out the judgment upon this world that Satan was ruling over and regain it back to restore it back to God. John 12, 31, Jesus again, he said, now is the time. Remember, he said, for judgment on this world, now the prince of this world will be driven out. He came in God's image. And he came with, to regain that eternal life and to that Zoe. Then that's what conquers it all. Hallelujah. So he came as the, the son of man. And he did what he accomplished, what he was sent to do. He triumphed over Satan, over Satan's temptations there. He triumphed over death at the resurrection. And his victory as the man regained dominion for all mankind. But we have to step into that. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul writes there to the Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Now, this is what God did provisionally. God looked down through time and eternity, and he saw, he knew what would happen. So he predetermined, he predestined that all who would receive his son, Christ Jesus, and what Jesus accomplished would then be partakers then in uh, be restored once again back into this position of righteousness or right relationship with God and take back then that authority that had been lost. So he says, when you were dead in your sins and, 
and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of the, and it really means the legal indebtedness, which stood against us and, and, and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed, listen to this, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That's what Jesus did. God looked down through time and eternity. Amen. Give him praise. And so he says, all this, you know, and the written code being the law that was given to Moses, because they had to, you know, they had to, now had to come under another covenant to become righteous for God, and it would just kind of roll off their sins for one more year. So they had to go through this because Satan was still having dominion and authority. But now God looked down and said, now then, when it's regained, when my son Jesus comes and regains all things, in him and in what he has done, I will forgive all those who then step in by him and through him, through the cross, and I'll and nail to the cross just as my son is nailed to the cross. Their sins will be nailed to the cross. The old covenant will be nailed to the cross. And all things will become new. Amen. Amen. Say, teach it, pastor. <laughs> Might not be preaching, but we're teaching it today. We've got to have a foundation to build upon. Jesus said this in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 19. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom meaning the access to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth or, or prohibit here on earth will be bound in heaven, will be prohibited in heaven. And whatever you loose or permit here on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus made this statement a couple of times. One, when he was asking his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? He said, oh, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but what about you? You've been with me. I'm paraphrasing here. You've been with me. You've seen me. What do you say? They said, thou art the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one sent from God. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the one that was sent here. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, you're just a little rock here. But upon that foundation, the rock of that revelation that you have, you know, Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter. This is a divine revelation. And upon that revelation, that's what I'm going to build my church on, is understanding that I'm the Messiah, the one that was sent from God to restore all things. That's what I'm going to build. That's the foundation that I'm going to build my church upon. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. And then he went on to say, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. He said it there, but he said it again another time as well. He wanted to emphasize that, hey, I'm giving, I'm restoring to you dominion and authority. That you can rule over it all. Not necessarily own it, but rule over it, govern it. And we're to do that through the principles of God. If we follow after his, his principles, understand them, and live in them, then we will be the head and not the tail. We'll be above and not beneath, right? Hallelujah. In Matthew Chapter 28, verse 28, verse 18, this is after the resurrection, says Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Now, here's what's cool. See, we had, originally we had authority and dominion over the earth, 
And God rules over the heavens is what the psalmist said there in the 119th Psalm. But now Jesus says, hey, wait a minute. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And basically what he said, and I'm giving it to you. If you are in me, if you are just if, if you step into what I have done, God the Father accepts you as, a, as his child, as an heir and a joint heir with me. Then what I have belongs to you. You share in it. So now then, if all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him in Christ, everybody say in Christ. In Christ. The secret place of the Most High. In Christ, then, we have that authority as well. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Once again, we've been given power and authority to carry out the Father's will. Not your will. The Father's will. And to establish His kingdom here on the earth and to advance His kingdom. Paul tells us in the third chapter of Ephesians, verse 10, the whole purpose of the church now here we are, now that we are into, we've been restored, and, we, and now we're under a new covenant, God says that this is his, his intent, this is his purpose. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, you ought to underline it, highlight it. You can do that with your electronic Bible as well. You can push on there, hold it, and hit the little button that says highlight. He says, Paul says that, he's talking about God, he says his intent was that now, since Christ has done what he's done, he says that now through the church, the manifold wisdom or the, the many expressions, the many-sided uh, aspect of, of God's wisdom, the wisdom of God should be made known to who? The rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Letting Satan know, wait a minute, you are not in charge anymore. The church, Christ being the head and the body of Christ, we are in, uh, have authority and dominion to rule over it all. Now, I jotted down something that you need to probably jot down. This is a spiritual principle that comes about from what I've been teaching. It's Christian men and women have a responsibility in this world that God will not assume. We have, an, we have a responsibility in this world that God will not assume. We have a dominion which he will not violate. He cannot and will not violate the principle of delegated authority. We saw where he, he won't. He won't violate that principle of delegated authority. So we have a responsibility in this world that God's not going to assume. We have that responsibility to begin to exercise dominion and authority once again according to the will of God, right? So that... Now then, we are to be overseers of God's royal purpose. Wow, isn't that exciting? What does it mean? How do we go about doing it? What does he want us to do? Who knows? Well, we're supposed to know if we're going to do it, right? We need to know. Wow, wait a minute. That's a lot of responsibility. Hmm. You know, we ought to feel the gravity of the responsibility that's been given to us. I don't think we really understand it. We just got to walk through, and some of you don't know those old Doris Day songs about que sera, sera, whatever will be. How many of you remember that? Got a few old timers in here. She sang that song, que sera, sera, whatever will be. See, that was the, way back then, that was the uh, Akuna Matata song. <laughs> it happened in the, what, late 80s or 90s or something like that, you know. You know, whatever will be, will be. No big deal. 
Let's just go about, you know, and just, just carefree. We don't understand the gravity of the responsibility that we have been given by God. When you wake up in the morning, you need to realize you've got a world to run. What? That's God's job. No, he delegated it, remember? He delegated it. And one day you're going to be called into that great meeting that says, okay, now then, let's evaluate. Let's give you a, a job evaluation. Let's see how, how you did with what I gave, what responsibilities that I gave to you. You've got to give an account for everything you did, whether good or bad. You've got to give an account for it. Ooh, pastor, I don't like that. You went from teaching to meddling. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 18, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 18. This is from the, today's New International Version. It says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything that you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. So he tells us, he kind of opens the door a little bit more to say, wait a minute. Now, let me tell you some of the benefits that you have, some of the privileges that you have. That if you ask anything in my name, the Father's going to do it. you got this great big job, you got all this responsibility, and you're wondering how can you do it. But I tell you, he says, truly, I tell you that Whatever you ask in my name, he'll do it. And if any two of you agree, or you come and you come together in my name, he says, I'm going to be there so that, we're going to, so that you'll know what you need to do to rule over it all, to govern it all, to subdue it all. Whatever you need. See, the problem is we've taken that for a selfish type thing, thinking of whatever I need. Oh, boy, I need a new car. I need a new Stereo, I need a new phone, I need a new this, I need some whatever. And we're thinking whatever we need. Those are nothing compared to the job that we have, the responsibility that we have when the gravity of the vocation that we've been called to settles into our spirit. We're not going to be thinking about these things down here. We're going to be asking God, how then, what do you want us to do about governing your world? We've got a big responsibility here. All this other stuff is Piddly stuff, right? See, our problem is, is we can't put it into perspective because we're still battling against the thief that steals, kills, destroys, that distorts and says, oh yeah, well, won't you ask God for this and that and whatever, and he tries to get us off track because you know what? The devil understands better than we do the probability or the possibilities of prayer and the power of prayer. So if he can sidetrack us, get us to thinking about mundane things over here, then he still then is pushing his will, his plan, upon the face of the earth. Illegally, yes. But if we allow him to, because remember, whatever we prohibit is prohibited. Whatever we permit is permitted. Now, if we permit the devil to have his way, he's, oh, I would never do that. Oh, yes, we do. It might be subconsciously, but if we don't consciously prohibit him, then he's going to do what he wants to do. How I many you know that? 
If the thief would have known that you would have been home at such and such time, you would have kept watch over your house is what Jesus was saying. Remember that? He says, but he'll come at a time when you think not. Now, we can associate that with the rapture and all kinds of things, but Satan, the thief, he's coming. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he comes to what? He still wants that authority. Now, if you're a Christian, you have that dominion and authority, he still says, okay, now then, I can't have you exercising the authority as God would have you exercise it, so i got to somehow blind you again. i got to distort your thoughts so that you are not governing and putting down my plan, but you're just over here playing around. Our little puppy is five months old. You know, I have to trick her sometimes. Now when she goes outside, she just loves it, and she wants to stay outside all the time. And so I've got some things that I can trick her with, you know, and, and make her think, okay, you know, come on in here, and, and I'll distract her, and I'll get her in the house, and, and I'll give her a little treat. And she's like, and then she goes, wait a minute, I'm inside. I want to be outside, but I'm inside, you know. I hope I'm smarter than her, you know. And I try to distract her because she doesn't know. Now, she, she wants that, but she maybe wants that treat a little bit better. You know, Satan comes, and he wants to give us a little treat. He wants to distract us because he wants to keep us busy over here so that we're not ruling over it all. We're not governing over it all. And he does that in various levels and degrees depending upon how much we know and exercise our authority over the kingdom of God. Even to Jesus, in all of his revelation and power and strength, Satan came with all that he had in the garden to try to distract him to try to lie to him, deceive him, and to keep him from doing what God had called him to do. And Jesus was asking, Lord, Father, if, you, if it be your will to take this cup from me, take it from me. And Satan, I just know he was right there. And Matthew says that an angel was sent and comforted Jesus. But, man, I know that the battle of all ages was going on. Man, this was the Super Bowl. And Satan said, man, don't you, you know, if you regain this authority to them, they won't even respect it. They won't appreciate it. They're going to kill people in your name. And here we've had wars and battles, you know, the, and, the, you know, carrying the cross. We saw the crusaders that went in and, and killed people, you know, thinking they're advancing this and whatever. And it was to go and try to find treasures in Jerusalem and do their own thing and all this other kind of garbage down through history. And no doubt Satan was pouring into Jesus. About, you think that they're going to appreciate what you do for them? You don't need to do this. There's, a better, there's an easier way to do this, Jesus. And Jesus was so tormented and he was straining to do all he could to follow the Father's will. Let me tell you something. If Jesus had that much difficulty against the tempter, against the deceiver, who do we think we are? Amen. We're no match for him on our own. That's why every day we need to start out our day in prayer. Every day we need to put on the armor of God. And it gets down there to verse 18 in chapter 6 of Ephesians that we started out with. And pray, and pray, always, with all kinds of prayers. Paul says, you don't get this. I mean, we got an enemy, but God's given you some equipment. You put on that equipment, and you begin to take the energy that he's given to us, prayer. He said, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers. You pray for the saints, because they're going to need it. Pray, he says, pray, pray. You better pray. But are we getting it? I don't know if we get it or not. People, we're to walk in this year in complete victory, which means that we completely dominate our opponent. He is completely defeated. 
That's a big challenge. We get excited about it. Yes, complete victory. I can get what I want. And here we go. Just like my little dog. Here's a tree. Come on. Come on. Oh, that's good. Good girl. Good girl. And here we go. We're just running off tail wagon after whatever he leads us to. God's looking for some people that will pay the price, that will pray the price for complete victory. It's going to cost you something. I've been asked if uh, we could have prayer at 8.30 on Sunday mornings before the Bible classes and stuff. If people, could, we, could we pray, Pastor? Could we get together and pray for our service? Well, no. <laughs> of course I'm going to say, well, no. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to come and pray. That classroom right across the hall over there, 8.30 in the mornings on Sunday mornings, come and pray. You don't have to. You get to. You get an opportunity to come together, as Jesus was saying there, when any two agree. If two or three are gathered, he said, I'm going to gather. Do we need that? We need that as a church. We need that individually. We need that collectively, that we need to do that. Pray. And that's what Paul begins to talk about. He says, pray in all these words. Prayer. How are we going to do uh, what God has called us to do? How are we going to exercise this dominion and authority? How are we going to subdue it all? How are we going to rule over it all? It starts with prayer. Because we better know what he's saying. God honors the dominion which he has given to us as redeemed children of God, as redeemed mankind. He waits for us. Listen to this. He waits for us to come to him in prayer before he enters the earthly arena. Now, we're going to have to pull this thing down. I got a lot of mo. I'm like a Mr. T. I got a lot of mo. <laughs> got a whole lot more. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to get serious about prayer. Amen? You're going to learn about prayer. Amen. You're going to learn how to pray. Last Wednesday night, we taught on uh, six steps to the throne. Talked about prayer, the Lord's Prayer, using it as a pattern, because that's what Jesus gave it to us for. I think that the disciples began to get kind of the gravity of this is when they said, wait a minute, Lord, teach us to pray. They had these repetition prayers and all this different thing, but they saw him pray. Jesus felt the gravity, the responsibility that was upon him, so he prayed. And they saw, they saw something different. When he prayed, he was praying with authority. And they said, wait a minute, Lord, teach us to pray. And he did. We're going to learn how to pray. Because God has given to us such a responsibility, but he waits for us to come to him in prayer before he enters this arena. You know, why does God let things, bad things happen on the earth? Because good people don't ask him to intervene. Uh-oh. It's our responsibility. He won't override, like, he, like okay, I'm going to give him another chance. Okay, time's up. I'm stepping in and doing it. If he did, what good would that do? But he waits for us to come to him. And when we come to him, and then we understand what his will is for that situation, we call the will of God into existence and say, Now, Father, you've delegated this to me, but I swear, surrender it to you. I give it to you. You take all authority and power and act. I'll take a back seat. Let the king of glory come in. Let the king of glory come in. See, that's how Jesus was saying, you want to rule it all? Be a servant of all. 
as a servant to God and as a servant to mankind, when we see that, then we understand the task. And then when we understand God's will, we pray in accordance with his will in the name of Jesus through the direction of the Holy Spirit, and we release the Father to step in and, t- and to do his will. Things happen, people. Miracles happen. Hallelujah. Things change. Prayer works. Prayer works. Hallelujah. Prayer works. We just need to know how to pray. We need to know how to pray. How many of you say, I want to learn how to pray? Let's pray right now. Father, we need your direction. We need to learn how to pray so that there's no hindrance, that there are no obstacles, that we can pray and allow your will to come into existence, for you to step in to this arena as we loose or permit your will to be done and step aside and allow you to move, things happen. Miracles happen. Father, we don't want to get sidetracked and just look at miracles. Like those that came to Jesus, they said they would, they would see Jesus. They wanted to see what he had done. They just sought him for the miracles that he was doing. It's not those things, not following signs, but signs following us. When we understand the importance of aligning ourselves with you and then allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through us because you know the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit knows your will, and through us, as we pray in the Spirit, we'll pray in accordance with your will, allowing you and releasing your will and your plan and your purpose to come into effect. Things happen. Father, we can't afford to take a sideline. We can't afford to be wandering around in the wilderness. We can't afford to be distracted by mundane things. We need to be about your business. Lord, we understand that you cannot violate your principles. You cannot override delegated authority. You choose not to work or intervene until we ask you. That's why Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Father, we're going to learn how to ask. Seek, knock. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Your will, your plan, your purpose will come into effect. And that as the Apostle Paul said, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He said, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes when he comes and his plans and his schemes have come to to hold your will back, your plan back, that we can take our stand against those things realizing that we don't struggle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces and of evil in the heavenly realms but through you they are no match for you that we can release you father that all of your power and just as jesus said don't they realize i could have called legions of angels to come again father thank you that you've given to us the power to release ministering spirits to do your will father we need to be aware of the privilege that we have 
responsibility that we have, and then, Father, how to exercise that. With your heads bowed this morning, don't be looking around. How many of you will commit yourself to discover how to pray and then do it? And say, Father, whatever it takes, I'm going to learn how to pray as an heir and join here with Jesus Christ and advance your kingdom. I want to do my part. I want to do my part. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, you're still under the dominion of that kingdom of darkness, you don't have to be. You can receive Jesus and what he did for you and become a child of God in his kingdom. So if you're not sure that you're a child of God, why don't you just raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, I'm really not sure, but I want to know. I want to be sure. Just raise your hand right where you are. Anybody here? You're not sure that you're a believer? You're not sure that you're a Christian? Okay. If you're here this morning and you know some people that aren't, will you commit to pray for them? And to pray for divine opportunities to help lead them into the kingdom? If you're here this morning and you feel away from God, but you want to come back to Him, you want your walk with Him to be closer, nobody's looking around, just raise your hand to the to the Lord and say, Father, that's me today. I, I just want a closer walk with you. I want to draw closer to you. I want to just know your will and I want to, to do your will. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. So I guess we'll have part two, which will be understanding the importance of prayer, but really driving it down on how to pray. I encourage you to be here. Don't miss. Don't miss. We got to hear this. People, this is when we stand before God. This is what we're really going to be judged for. You know, what did we do with what had been given to us? So don't miss it. We want to equip you. As Paul said, I want to make you ready. I'm paraphrasing. He said, I want to present you spotless before the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the calling that you've given to Light Christian Center. Thank you for the word that's coming forth. Thank you for the truth that's being taught. Father, that we just not a mediocre life, that we just do what we want to do, and, and that we just um, that we're satisfied by just barely getting along in you. No, Father, we want more. We want to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Father, we want to be the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. We want to, to be able to exercise dominion and authority as you've designed us to, to, to do. So, Lord. Uh, help us, enlighten us. Father, I, I encourage, Father, if you would just encourage each one of us throughout the week, our own personal Bible study, to begin to uh, look and, and seek out and study about prayer and to know how to pray. Father, all those who want to come and pray on Sunday mornings before uh, the, the Bible study classes at 8.30, Father, I know you'll bless in that particular time as well. So, Lord, we want to commit ourselves to you, and we believe that this is going to be a fantastic year of of victory. Father, we're going to do our part. We know that you're going to do your part. We give you praise now. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a praise. Shake somebody's hand this morning. Hug somebody's neck. Let them know you're glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen.